Acts chapter number 2. This is very familiar and looking at, and I'm just not going the way you think maybe tonight that it is, but we're going to look at this as an introduction to the book of Romans. You say, why are you going around the mountain? I need to start on the other side of the mountain to get to this side. And uh, you've got to get some things under your, on your belt to understand it. And uh, I'm not planning on preaching the book of Romans at this present time. But I'm setting it up to get ready to do it. I try my best. and I, For years I've not tried to stay in certain books too much and just do one. And now we've got two or three hanging in the air. And the more Bible you get, the better off you'll be. And uh, the more we stay in the book, the more we'll be, be better off our spiritual lives will be. We'll get more, what do you call it, more, more uh, variety. When we're going from one book, we was in 1 Corinthians this morning, being headed toward the book of Romans tonight. We're preaching in the book of Daniel on Wednesday. And Sunday school, I'm in the book of Matthew. So that's a pretty well covered little area. And it's covering different subjects. And I praise the Lord tonight that we can do that. And I've got more time now to spend the time with the Word of God. And it helps me. It's hard on the preacher to get that many books and go with them. Ain't that right, Brother Burrow? And uh, if you don't have time to spend time just studying the Scripture straight through, you know, what I've studied all my life, I've forgot most of it, and Brother Burl has too. And that's why he said he'd, he'd be ready in two weeks. He got, every preacher's got to study and get it again. Amen. And I'm amazed how much I lose every day. I have to, I have to get in double gear to stay up front. And then I lag behind. All right, let's take our Bible tonight, read out of the book of Acts chapter number 2. And let's stand, if you will, and uh, that can, and I'll read this tonight. We're going to come back on this again in just a minute. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Notice that, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews. Amen, that's what you'd expect. People living in Jerusalem would be Jews. And it said, uh, devout men. I like that. Amen. Told somebody one time, devout men carried uh, the Stephen to the graveyard, and I want devout men to carry me. Don't get my little cousins and uh, boys and that uh, wet behind their ears and don't go to church. Amen. Get somebody that knows me. Devout men carry me to the graveyard. I believe that's proper and in order. He said, devout men, out of every, notice this, every nation under heaven. 
Amen. He goes on to say, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. That means it's confused because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And we'll stop there. And you be seated and let's pray. Seek the face of God and may God have his way in the message. Father, touch hearts and minds. I pray God you'd give us that which we need. We pray, Lord, that you'll use us in a mighty way. Get us prepared, Lord, for what we're going to hear in days even future ahead as we tie these books together. And I pray, God, that your will might be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to mention just a few little current events of things that I've seen and heard today and things that uh, might be alarming to a lot of people because these people seem to be. I, I heard a speech of uh, Zelensky of the Ukraine today, and, and you can say what you want to. I'm not into politics. I'm not into current events. My job is to preach the gospel. But Zelensky said he was calling. The reason I mention it is because he said, I'm calling for the world to step up to the plate and give us a worldwide peace. Now, I've heard this stuff talked about when they say peace, peace, sudden destruction cometh upon us. I don't know how far we are from out in the future when the church is going to be called out of here. Uh, but I just caught that. The world seems to be gathering. This is not the first time I've heard it in the months behind. Is that they're looking for somebody to step out on of the world scene and bring peace. Now it's not just from America, but it's the world, the world system. I've never heard that in all my preaching down through the years, but in the last couple of years, I'm hearing more of that. And also, I found this information. It said that they made a poll of America, and the poll finds that Americans are weary of the nation's course. Now, that's not what we talk about in the church. You said, oh, it bothers me too. Well, quit worrying about it. And it's future in 2023. Uh, Two-thirds say the country has gotten off on the wrong track. Well, I've been saying that for years and years. Amen. Give them a track, is what I say, and get them on track with the Lord. Amen. You'll catch that in a minute. A T-R-A-C-T to take care of them getting on the T-R-A-C-K. Yeah. Right? That's what I say. Now, I believe they're on the wrong track, been on it for a long time. And they say that there's little confidence in the political parties, both parties. I say amen 15 times just for that. They say there's no trust in the political leaders anymore. Amen. I wonder why they put their trust in the political leaders anyhow. Amen. That's not Bible. And it said that some are hopeful, but most people are doubtful. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about the prices. Some of you ladies are when you go to the grocery store. Some of you are when you go to the gas pumps. And because of inflation. Now, I want to say this tonight. That the world is trusting the wrong things. They're trusting the wrong people. And they need to know uh, the things that are facing us that we need to trust Jesus.
because he's the only one that can work out every problem that we're going to have. He's worked out every problem I've had in 2022 thus far, and I believe he'll do it in 2023 in the future. I ain't saying it's going to be a a bed of roses. I'm not saying it's going to be smooth sailing, but I'm going to tell you God's grace is sufficient to take care of every need that you and I have. Now, with that said, I want to get into the message and talk about this. We want to talk about the Old Testament just briefly, quickly. When we come to the end of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, uh, the Bible tells us out of the book of Malachi that people were in problems, had problems. There There was so much confusion in the land, and they had apostasy, they had... Uh, all kinds of idolatry going on. And God ends that book. And I believe it's disgusting at the end of Malachi. For then we find that there's 400 years that God stops any kind of communication from heaven to earth. Stops the prophets. He said all he's going to say. And it goes for 400 years and uh, before that, it had not been going that long that God hadn't spoken. And then all of a sudden, God brings in a new message and brings it in in the form of Matthew. Matthew gives a description of the Lord's birth. He gives him a description of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he gives him uh, the direction for you and me of his ascension when he ascended back up into heaven. You'll find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he does that for the spirit, the period of time between uh, Malachi and uh, Matthew. And Matthew takes off with it. And so God begins to remind people that they need him. And the Jews have turned away from him. And God gives them one more try for them to come to him. And so he begins to do that in the book of Matthew. Are you following me? And then what happens after the book of Matthew? He gives us, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he gives us the book of Acts. Now Acts, he's bringing in to play something we've never seen before. Or something the world had never seen before. We've seen it. And that is the birth of the church. Amen. Wasn't prophesied in the Old Testament. Wasn't classified that way in the Old Testament. People say sometimes about the church in the wilderness. But that's different than what we've got tonight. And how that God has changed it and turned it. And he's tried to get the attention of the Gentiles. And we'll find in the book of Acts how that God tells us in the book of Acts that we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That we need to trust Him with all our heart. And that we need to rely upon Him with all our soul. And God brings a brand new day. Amen. So we're going to go tonight to the book of Acts. And I want to go back over these verses. We'll find that there's some few things in chapter 1 we could uh, talk about, but we won't talk about that tonight. For the sake of time. But we look at it that the New Testament establishes a church. Or a church is established. And then later recorded in the New Testament. Remember we have no Bible. 
about the New Testament church from the beginning of Matthew. All we've got is a full canon of all the books in the Old Testament. But when we get to the New Testament, are you with me now? When we get to the New Testament, there's no such thing as knowing what it's got to say because it's not been recorded yet. God gives us that. And then after the book of Acts, God gives us the book of Romans. Now Romans gives us something else and tells us what we're supposed to believe and tells us how that we are supposed to live as a Christian on this earth. You wouldn't know that till you get to the book of Romans. I mean, you can understand that we need to have a new birth. Where do we find that at? Mainly in the book of John and in the other three Gospels. But John is a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we find the Synoptic Gospels, which are similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But we don't get uh, all the details that we would get if God had excluded the book of John. John's the sweetest, simplest, easiest book to remember in the Bible and to understand. And I will say tonight, out of the New Testament, Romans is probably the hardest one. You said, no, Revelation. Well, Revelation just, it's explanatory to itself. Amen. Amen. And if you don't get Matthew up to Jude under your belt and understand some doctrine of those books, you'll never read Revelation. You see what's happening today, everybody's getting saved, they say, and they're concerned, I guess. And the first book they want to study is the book of Revelation. They don't know what Matthew says. They don't know what uh, Romans says. They don't know what 1 Corinthians says. But they're trying to study the future when they don't know the past. And beloved, I'll say to you tonight, you, get, you better get yourself a well-rounded understanding of the Scriptures before you dig deep into the book of Revelation or you'll lose it in a short time. A lot of people are listening to people in the book of Revelation. They're listening to this one and that one that studied the Scriptures. And I'm not a prophetic preacher and I had not been on prophecy all my life. I just preach it every once in a while. But I'm going to tell you tonight, you dig into those and listen to Dr. Bottle Stopper over there and uh, but Brother Tom Frog up yonder, they'll tell you anything. They're on the internet. They want your money. They want the recognition. Amen. But every one I listen to sometimes, I don't listen to very many of them at that. But every once in a while, I see what he's got to say. And when I do, he's trying to get you to click on his buttons and be subscribed. You know what to do that for, don't you? Amen. It's not to teach you more Bible is to uh, reach more people. Amen. Don't let nobody kid you. Well, we want, they'll say, all right, now, please subscribe on our uh, subscribe button and mash the bell. So you'll, you know why they want to mash, why they want you to mash the bell? So that they can put it on your Computer, your phone, every time something comes up new. They done got them another. And then you listen to them. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're more wrong than they are right. Sometimes they're more right than they are wrong. I wouldn't listen to them. Amen. I want to know what the man is trying to say to me. All right. Now let's go. 
Let's look at this tonight. I pray that God might give us some help with it as we look at it. In uh, Romans, I'm just talking about Romans for a moment. In Romans, the Bible teaches us out of it what it means to be a Christian and how we are to conduct ourselves after we have become a Christian. Remember, Christian, I've said this before, you be saved and not really be a Christian. Christian means Christ-like. You said, I don't understand that. I used not to understand it either. But after 50 years of pastoring, 52 years of pastoring, I can tell you it's so. If you'd have been looking at Lot, Lot went down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the things that Lot done, and even offered his two daughters to those uh, wicked men, I would have said, he can't be born again. But I read in the New Testament, I find that righteous Lot vexed his soul in Sodom. And then pastoring churches on top of that, Brother Burrell, I know good and well they can do about anything. And they try to make you, uh, try to prove it to you that God told them to get drunk. You'd be surprised that God told them to kill somebody. Heard voices in my head. Amen. Anytime people start hearing voices in their head, remember it's in the heart that God speaks. Come in the wrong direction. Amen. And I don't mean to be mean about these things, but I like to let my people know tonight what we need to look at. And so the, the book of Romans tells us these things. Romans is placed in the right place, I believe, of your Bible. Wasn't the first book that was written in the epistles. But it is at the right place after the, the book of Acts and how that God wants us to see. The book of Romans will tell you how to live. The book of Romans will tell you how to act. The book of Romans will tell you how to walk. The book of Romans will tell you how to talk. The book of Romans will tell you how to be as a child of God. Now don't everybody go home tonight and grab out the book of Romans. You you may need something else before you get there. Because the book of Romans will swallow you whole if you don't know much about the Bible. Right, Brother Burrell? I've been in the book of Romans for a long time down through life and there's things sometimes that raises my eyebrows. I have to study it and then realize what God has said. Amen. Now the book of Romans will teach us what we need to know about the Gospels. It will. The book of Romans will teach us how to have true doctrine. True doctrinal teaching to the church. It tells us what we should believe. Tells us what our doctrines are. A lot of people are confused about the doctrines of the Lord. What's their doctrines? It's what we need to believe, what we ought to believe, and what God demands for us to believe. We're not to believe anything and everything that comes by. Brother, you take the teachings of Paul, if he calls it, in the Word of God, you can count on Paul's teachings. You can count on Paul's writings. And the Bible said that the church is the ground and pillar of truth. 
And the church has been designed to tell the whole world how the church is supposed to be. God tells me what I'm supposed to believe. And if I deviate from that tonight, I'm missing the mark and I get in trouble. Amen. Uh, Romans gives us uh, concise details in whatever thing you want to get involved in. Uh, We're to believe that uh, preaching the Word of God is our job. And teaching the Word of God is our job. Matter of fact, you can jot these three things down that the Bible teaches us. We ought to preach, teach, and practice. Amen. No reason to read it if you're not going to practice it. If God says do it, God has got no room in there to bargain with you. If God says it's wrong, you're out of line if you argue with God. If God tells you you should not do it, He means you should not do it. Matter of fact, He don't give too much shoulds in there. He just says don't. Amen. The Ten Commandments. Uh, I did have a copy with with me. I'm not talking about the ones that we talk about now, but the new commandments. I meant to mention them to you this morning. The new ten commandments. Has anybody read them? They did it on Mount Sinai, where the original ten are, and they're fixing to burn the ten ones that we already got so that they can bring out the new ones. That's what the New World Order is wanting to do. I read them several times. You know what they're doing? They got their commandments for the whole world, every denomination, every religion, bringing us all together. That's what the world wants. They want to get rid of the saints of God and their teachings. And I'm against that, all right? Now, I believe tonight that the book of Romans will give us the foundation of what man's reaction and a relationship ought to be with God before you're saved and even after you're saved. I believe God expects a Christian to be different than a worldling. I believe God expects our walk and our talk and our life to be different. If you can't prove to the world you've got something different on the inside by their looking at what you do, then you're confusing the world and you're confused yourself. I ought to be able to be told what the difference is and know what the difference is without having to pick up anything but my Bible. And I should be different than a drunkard. Amen. You understand? I'm talking about every sin in the world you can look at. We should not be nowhere near that. We shouldn't be nowhere involved in any of that. This is not easy for me to preach, but it's the truth. There uh, we found in the Word of God, uh, it Acts chapter 2, that uh, there was 120 believers there. Amen. They started off with 500. You know why the 500 didn't get filled? The whole 500? Somebody subtract 120 from 500 right now and tell me how many more that is. Huh? 380. How come the 380 didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost? They weren't there. Amen. 
That was real deep stuff there, ain't it? <laughs> 380 of them went home. 380 of them didn't show up. So there's a 120 there. And they're fixing to get involved. There's many in the upper room. They went out from the upper room preaching. They went in, got the truth, and left preaching. Let's look at this for a minute. This, in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, is the jump start of the church. The church got started right here. We could talk about the different places. I talk about, I believe the Lord birthed the church out of his side. That's what I've preached for years. And somebody said the church started on Acts chapter 2, and I believe it did. It was jump-started, but it would come through the process. And God sent it out. It couldn't go out before Acts 2 because it didn't have the power. Did you know church tonight on the earth is the most powerful organization that the world has? Why, we, why do we bow to Washington? Why do we bow to the officials? Why do we cow down uh, to those? And I'm not fighting against the government. I'm just telling you, the highest institution on the face of the earth right now is the church of the living God and the highest a person on the face of the earth are the men of God who preach. The calling of a preacher is higher than any calling on this earth. Amen. Why would we want to bow to governments and people? Why would we want to be fearful of the leaders of the land? We are God's anointed. We are His people. And God said He'd take care of us. Why we have fear tonight. This is a jump start of the church. And there's some things tonight that the church needs to do. God's laid it out. I jotted these down this evening. We need to preach. We need to praise God. We need to proclaim. We need to pray. We need to publish. And we, in this day, wasn't there in this day here, but we need to print. Now let me back up on that. The highest thing on the earth that we need to do today is not go to Mars. Not go to space. Not to get involved in science, so-called. Not to try to rule in context tonight. That's going to be took care of in the later days. The Lord's going to do that. But we need... To preach the word of God. Be instant in season, out of season. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Said, preacher, you ever felt like not preaching? Yeah, a lot of times. So far I ain't quit. I thought about it. But God ain't never given me the liberty. He said his callings are without repentance. It's getting harder on me every day. The older I get, the harder it is. Not only because... Of my health, that's one thing. But secondly, because people will not hear you. Get out in the world if you see what I... Tote your Bible tomorrow to your grocery store. 
Make sure it's right on top where everybody can see it. You probably won't have many conversations. They'll walk out shaking their head, thinking you're an idiot. And I say, thank God you are. We need, the world needs a few more idiots. It stands for God. All right? Our job is to preach the gospel. Not my theology, not your theology, not what I think or not what you think. I get so tired of hearing people say, well, preacher, this is what I think. I hear that 10, 15 times a week. Uh, my opinion is this. This is my opinion. And I usually stop and say, your opinion don't matter. They'll say to you sometimes, well, preacher, you don't know. And I said, I know what I know. I know what the Bible says. I usually ask them another question. What do you think the Bible says about this? Well, I don't know. Well, how do you know what I just said wasn't so? You don't know what you know. You don't know what, what you're saying is right. You don't know where it is. Not. You say to them and they say, Well, preacher, I don't believe anybody can know they're going to heaven. I've asked them, Do you know you're going to heaven? They say, I don't believe you can know till you get there. And I say, that's mighty poor gambling. I want to know if I'm going to heaven tonight. Amen. And thank God I do. That goes back to what I was preaching on this morning. That we need to be confirmed. Amen. And then I believe we ought to praise Him. Praise God. With our voice, with our lips, with our mouth. I believe we ought to proclaim. That means witness. Very few Christians, very few, well, I, I say, very few church members witness for the Lord Jesus. Christians do. You let God get a hold of you just like He wants to get a hold of you, and you don't cramp His style. You say, well, can I cramp God's style? You sure can. Sell up on Him and want to cooperate with Him and see how that goes for you. Some of you already know. Because you hadn't decided to get out of that track. Sell me. If you can't say amen. I'm going to tell you. You said, I don't cramp God's style. Amen. Well, let me ask you, has he ever cramped yours? <laughs> That's a little bit different, ain't it? Oh, preacher, I do everything God tells me to do. No, you don't. You lie. None of us in this building can say that. You say, but I try. Well, amen. Tell that. I try. Amen. He's going, maybe you'll get saved. Get him. Got a rat in here? All right. Amen. He come to hear what's going on. All right. And I'm telling you, we cramp his style sometimes. Did you still see him? Go in that room? Amen. Praise God. Oh, he's gone. Now we need to put a trap in there. Amen. When the, when the church mouse went to church. So I see all this. and All of a sudden, in chapter 2, Peter stands up to preach. But before we get there, let's look at this. And when the day of Pentecost... 
That's 50 days, that's what it means, 50 days after the Lord rose from the dead. He's done going back to heaven, but it's been 40 days he was on the earth with them walking with the disciples and now going to heaven. And 10 days after he's gone to heaven, the power of God falls. Right? And so it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, it was time for it. People have been prophesying for it. You can go in Old Testament times and find that it was coming. God prophesied the day of Pentecost. They were with one accord in one place, and that's exactly where the church needs to be today. One mind, one accord, one place. We'll never prosper, and we'll never get the gospel out until we get in one place, one mind, one accord, and then we can do it together. And uh, so we look at this, and he's... uh, As we go on down, he says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Didn't say a mighty wind come down, but it was a sound as a mighty rushing wind. It sounded like wind. No wind, but it had a sound like it. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. How many were there? 120. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, not, other, not, other, not an unknown tongue, but other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Now remember all these people come from all around. They got different languages. God confused the languages in chapter 11 of the book of Genesis. And now God is unconfusing them in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And they heard the gospel in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? All of them were. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. And he names them, verse 9, 10, and 11. And you'll look at these nationalities of people, 16, 17 of them. And here they are. Now, what's amazing is this. They were sent out of there to preach. And when we get over in verse number 14, the Bible said, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Here is the first message of the church that's recorded. There was others, I'm sure, were preaching in other languages. But God chose to give us the message of Peter. And here's the first message of the early church. Uh, He had been witnessing, but he wasn't part of the church then. Got me? Let's just stay with this a minute. And they even accused him of being drunk, but he wasn't. Now, and we'll see what happens. We'll see this bunch. And look at verse number 41 in that same chapter. It said in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word, what? The word that Peter preached, were baptized. 
And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I'm coming back to that in a minute. I want you to back it back up again. And let's just see what Peter preached. I imagine it's probably been the most repeated message that the world has ever known. I'm talking about a message from a preacher. The greatest preaching has ever done was when Christ is on the earth. But go back and look at verse, uh, I see, verse number 22. I'm just going to get the first and, and uh, the, about the middle of the message. You read the whole message, it starts there uh, in verse 15 and goes on down. But in verse 22, here's what Peter said. Ye men of Israel, talking to the Jews, a Jew t- speaking to the Jews. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now what did Peter preach out of these four verses or three verses? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Now what is every church supposed to be preaching now? The very same thing. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. We've got a lot of churches that won't do that. We've got a lot of preachers that are scared to. You said, well, that's simple. Did you know you talk to people on the street and try to tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection? They will get upset at you. Right here in Habersham County. I'm talking about in Clarksville. I know for a for a fact. Now I want you to notice something else. In verse 41, God added to the church 3,000 souls. Do you see that? Amen. Now the first church service that they had on their own is found in chapter 42 of chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Do you know that's what we're supposed to be abiding in today? The apostles' doctrine. Why? Because they preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They didn't preach Dr. Bottlestopper's message. They preached what the apostles had gotten into. And fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul. Did you know the people in the house of God ought to be more fearful of things going on than any people in the world? We are fearful of the government. We're fearful of inflation. We're fearful of our monetary source. We're fearful of insurance and all those things. We ought to be fearful of God. And the fear of God's gone. We can cuss and swear and live in sin and life in the face of God. I don't know how people can do that, but they do. 
And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. You ever wonder why the church never has nothing? Well, we're not in the days of the signs and things. But I'll tell you right now, I've seen days better than what we've got now when the church could get on their knees in a Sunday night service like this and pray an hour or pray 15 minutes or pray 30 minutes or pray two hours and then watch God move in the community for the whole week and save souls. They think today that the preacher can get up and preach a little sermonette or he ought to get out on the street and knock on every door in the county and let them tell him, I wouldn't go to that church. Too many hypocrites up there. I've heard that in every church I've ever pastored. They really have. And they've done business with somebody in the church. They'll call them crooks. I've stood on their porch and they said, I, I ever once in a while occasionally get to drink with one of your members. Been there. You know what? People pray over them and then people get under conviction and come running. You know why people don't get saved in church anymore? They don't have confidence in you and me. You borrowed something from them or bought something from them and you owed them for 20 years and you forgot all about it and don't even know you owe it to them anymore. And they have not forgotten it and they won't forget it for the rest of their life. Have you ever been out in the public and they somebody, oh yeah, I, I, I know a deacon over there at that church. I'm not talking about our church here, but I know a deacon that goes to that church over there said he beat me out of $100. I put up with that all the time, ladies and gentlemen. Not talking about my members. Uh, at least they hadn't got bold enough to tell me that yet or I'd be at your house. But that don't mean you ain't done it. And all that believe were together and had all things common. We go on down there and look at what it said in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the, all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily... Such as should be saved. God said he added to the church daily. That's the business of God. If a church gets where it ought to be and we're in fire, on fire for God and love God with all our heart and we're praying and seeking the face and witnessing and passing out tracts and praying and praying and praying. You're going to watch God work in your community. Amen. Let me give you something else on that. That's 3,000 got saved. Verse 47 says some more got saved. In Acts chapter 3, verse 14, it says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power, holiness, we had made this man to walk. And he's talking about that there. And he's giving it to him. And he's saying this, verse 13, The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. He's preaching the right gospel, isn't he? Amen. And we appreciate that tonight.
Now, I want you to go to chapter 5. When you get to chapter 5, I want you to look at verse number 44. And the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. The Lord was adding to the church. Now go over to 11, chapter 11 and verse 24. I'm not going to hold you long. We'll get out of here. In chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Amen. Look at my little rat. Amen. He wanted to help me. And it says in 11 and verse 24, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. For years and years, I've run into people that thinks that the preacher can go around squirting this and squirting that out of his back pocket and he's going to save souls. But I want to tell you something. The church is what wins people to God. Let me just remind you, this is something you've heard forever and I probably have said it here many times. I know I've said it many times down through the years. But the preacher is not the sheepfold. He's a part of if he's saved but he's not a man the sheep now the the shepherd can lead the sheep to good water lead them to good grass can teach them and show them but if there's going to be any birth in the house of God with the sheep it's going to be sheep that bear sheep you get a church that's filled with people that's filled with God. You get a people that's filled with God and the Holy Ghost. And you get a people tonight that's filled with God and loves God and wants to live for God and tries their best to live for God. God will give them the Holy Spirit of God and they will be the one that produce sheep. Now I said that in a long way around, but I wanted to soak in. That means that the church has got to love sinners. That means the church has got to love souls. Preacher, I notice you ain't won nobody to God for long. No, but I sure am trying. They're just like they do you. They turn me off. They know I'm telling them the truth. Amen. They've seen too many church members and they don't want no part of what they got. And if you get to witnessing like you supposed to, they won't want no part of you when you come in down one aisle, they're going to go down another. I know a little old fellow right now, he's kind of disabled. He is born that way. I reckon I've known him for many, many years. And you've probably seen him in some of the restaurants. He, he goes to some of the restaurants and he sings old country songs. And I go in, he's sitting over and he, hey, hey, Dennis, how you doing? I said, pretty good. He said, let me tell you about an old song. I, I don't know who, who it was, some woman, she's dead now, and uh, sung a song. And he, uh, he, I said, I don't even know her. I ain't been in country music. I don't like it. If it stirs your boat, 
Hip yourself. Amen. Ain't nothing that stirs mine but good gospel singing. And I don't like all it because all of it ain't good. But I'll tell you this. He'll say, let me sing it. He's, he's old, about as old as I am. But now he can sing every word and not miss a one. And I told him several years ago, I said, don't sing them things to me. I don't want to hear them. I said, don't mean to hurt your feelings. But I said, everyone you sing is old country junk. He said, oh, I know some gospel ones. I said, yeah, but you got some country singers singing them. Don't want that either. So I go in, he'll tell me, he tried to sing one to me the other day, and I said, don't listen, I don't hear it. And I started calling his name, don't mean to do that. But I said, listen, I love you and I appreciate you, but that's not my thing. It ain't. So I'm trying to say tonight, he likes that stuff and he tells that stuff. You ought to get to liking Jesus like he loves country. Amen. I imagine they'd run you out of that same place if you sung a gospel song. Don't know that, but probably would. So we find that today, I'm going to give you these thoughts right here. They went back home. They went back home. First of all, they didn't even have a Bible except the Old Testament. And not all of it. They didn't have a preacher. They didn't even have a church building. You got that? They're going back to their homes. They're used to going in the synagogues, but these Jews had just gotten saved. They didn't know much about what's going on. They're filled with God. They're going back there. There weren't no bishops. There weren't no elders. There weren't no deacons. There weren't no pastors. There weren't no evangelists. You see how that keeps proceeding on down in the... New Testament. But thank God we've got a copy of all of that. And uh, we're looking at it. And uh, so we just appreciate what the Lord does. Now, somebody says, Preacher, I wish I could know what I need to know how to live for God. I do too. You want, you want me to tell you why so many in our county, there's people in this county right now, Right in this county, don't know much about the Bible at all. You know why they don't know? Number one, many of them don't want to know. And if you don't want to know, you won't know. Number two, you can't get this stuff off of Facebook. and so You said, oh, I know a lot of good preachers on Facebook. You give me two or three, it's on the Facebook, it's preaching, it's strong and hard, and I'll guarantee you they won't be on there long. Right? right? I know some of them is on Facebook. They'll talk about going on Facebook and all that stuff. Well, let, let them do it. That's what they uh, should be doing. They ought to be doing something. You ain't going to get what I'm preaching tonight off of CNN. Amen. You won't get it off of Fox News either. Amen. You won't get it off of uh, playing cards. No. You won't. You said ain't nobody playing cards. You'd be surprised at the people that are on the computer playing solitaire. Yeah. I said that the other day to a Christian, so-called. He probably is. I don't know. I can't judge him. He said, oh, I play solitaire all day long. 
Amen. They can't get this stuff off of pornography. Read the other day that 70% of the people are watching pornography every day. 40% are preachers. Shock you, does it? You won't get what I'm preaching tonight off that. They don't want to know. They don't care to know. And you can't get it either if you stay home. We talk about stay home moms. That's good. Appreciate that. Thank God for it. But we got to stay home church members too. Amen. Well, I see you done had more than you want. So we'll stop there. At least I've saved me some stuff to come back with. Wait till we get to the book of Romans. Amen. Take us a long time to get out of the first chapter. It's probably the most rotten to the core chapter of the Bible. There comes that little feller again. He must do it. Amen. Satan sent him in here to get our attention off the message. Amen. All right. You just bow your head and close your eyes there and let's pray. And we'll pick up on this later. Fathers, we bow in your presence tonight. We do thank you for the goodness of the Lord. I pray, God, that you'll meet our needs as we trust you, depend on you. I pray, God, that you might lift up and exalt the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we've got a week before the day of your of the celebration of your birth. And will help us somehow to win somebody to the Lord this week. Help us, Lord, at least to point them in the right direction and tell them the truth. We'll give you the praise and the glory for what you're going to accomplish. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Had a fellow last week in one of our Bible studies. He's not saved. He'll tell you he's not saved. And he said, I appreciate, I appreciate you. He said, there's not many preachers that I got any confidence in. But he said, I love the way you explain the Bible. And I said, thank you. I took that as a compliment. Amen. That made me feel good. Now, it didn't give me the big head because the next fella I talked to, I thought he was going to whop me one, but... So, it's different out there, isn't it? Amen. So, praise God.